Today on Awaken to Grace, we are in part two of our current sermon in the life of Joseph, and we are talking about temptation. Now, today is part two of this sermon. If you missed the first part, I want to encourage you to go back in the archives and listen to uh, the first part of this important sermon, because we are going to learn certain principles about temptation. And these principles, if you will take them to heart— It's going to serve as guardrails that's going to protect your life. It's going to protect your marriage. It's going to protect your children. And friends, ultimately, it's going to protect your soul. So as you listen today, I want you to keep in mind God's Word and the warnings that God's Word gives when it comes to sexual immorality. Today's going to help you as it's greatly helped me. And I think if we apply God's Word and His principles to our lives— we're going to be able to avoid these landmines of temptation. I'm glad you're listening to Awaken to Grace. Hope, a word of restoration, a word of forgiveness. So I realize that there are multiple situations listening and But I believe that just as there are as many people listening, that's how many different ways the Holy Spirit's going to speak to us today. Amen. So three ways that I want you to know that Joseph had guardrails, that Joseph protected himself. Number one, I want you to know what he did the first time she made an advancement. The very first time that she said, Joseph, lie with me. I want you to note what he did. It's right there in your text. He refused her. He flat out refused her. David Jeremiah helped me with this better than anyone else. And I love what he says here. David Jeremiah says it this way. Joseph had conviction long before he ever had crisis. Oh, that's excellent, my friends. Joseph already knew where he stood in these matters. Joseph already had conviction well thought out, well developed within his life. And that causes me to think, do I already have conviction in my own life? Or how many of us would have to make a snap decision in the heat of the moment? No, you should have conviction before you're ever faced with a crisis. If we learn anything from Joseph, it is that he flat out refused her. He didn't entertain the thought. He didn't talk it over. He didn't have dinner with her. He didn't open any doors. He just flat refused it, amen? Are you able to do the same with sin? Have you and I thought through scenarios where we go, if Satan ever dangles that before me, I will refuse. He had conviction before he had crisis. Number two, I want you to note this. Not only did he flat refuse her. Now, Joseph is in a very serious predicament because, you know, as a pastor, uh, you know, and this has happened many times where someone will say, you know, someone at my workplace is trying to initiate an affair with me. And, you know, what do I do? Well, you either pray them out or you quit, you go. Joseph didn't have that option. Joseph is a slave. Joseph has no choice but come into this house. And do you know what happens? I I want you to note this. Not only did he refuse her, but number two, he avoided her. Now, there's a principle here 
that I want you to understand because some Christians are very surprised by this. Often as a Christian, particularly a young believer, you will resist a temptation and you will feel so proud that you resisted that. And in your mind, you think, I got victory. I overcame it. Praise God. And then we're surprised when it comes back. Notice what Potiphar's wife did. Day after day. Are you sometimes surprised that temptation is persistent? Do you find that in your own life? That temptation is persistent? Some of you have been struggling with a certain temptation for years. Why? Because it's persistent. So what do you do if refusing it is not enough? What's the next step? You avoid it. Notice, now watch this. Not only did he refuse her, but when she persisted, when she came after him day after day saying, lie with me, he not only refused it, but then he began to avoid her. He would not lie next to her or be with her. Do you know what commentators think that's suggesting in the text? Scholars think that what that means was, and this goes to the earlier point, most likely Potiphar was gone a lot. Most likely Mrs. Potiphar was quite lonely. Most likely she was justifying her actions by saying, I'm lonely. Now don't forget, Joseph most likely is lonely as well. He's ripped from his father and his brother Benjamin. He's unjustly treated. He is unfairly sold into slavery. He is brought down to Egypt into a culture and a language and a world that is literally foreign to him. And how easy it would have been for Joseph to say, forget everything. I'm going to enjoy what little of myself I can enjoy being a slave. How easy. But notice what, he, what it says. Not only would he not lie with her, he would not even be with her. How, how many times did Potiphar's wife say, Joseph, eat lunch with me. Joseph, sit on the couch and talk to me. And do you know what Joseph would not do, my friends? He would not open that door. Do you see what I'm saying? He kept the door shut. What is the principle? What is the point? There are some of you, and I know this by the Spirit of God, I know this, that some of you are being pursued by other people. Perhaps it's someone you work with. Perhaps it's an old thing from high school that's resurrected on social media or whatever. I cannot urge you enough to shut the door. Don't entertain it. Avoid it at all cost. And you say, well, Chad, what do you mean by entertaining it? The texting you're doing? The instant messaging that you're doing? The sharing the problems at home and the frustrations you're doing? Shut it down. Amen? Because it's going to bring destruction, not only to your life, 
but to your soul. Listen, now this is a very serious principle. Say amen if you're with me right now. It's a little bit uncomfortable, isn't it? But I can't see your face, so it doesn't matter to me. I just say what God says to say. and <laughs> That's one blessing of preaching blind. I don't see anyone's faces. I can't tell if anybody's mad, sad, glad. doesn't matter to me. I just go on. Listen to this principle. Perhaps today you're single. Perhaps today you're in the situation that Joseph was in. Or perhaps today you're in the situation of Mrs. Potiphar where you really are lonely in your marriage. There's not only a physical distance, but there's an even bigger emotional distance. And you are as lonely as you can possibly be. Let me warn you in this. Listen to what Joseph said. Joseph said when she wanted him to come into her bedroom, listen to what he said. How can I do this sin against Potiphar? And how can I do this sin against in the eyes of God? How easy would that have been for Joseph to have said, God's abandoned me. God has left me. God has allowed all this tragedy to happen to me. Forget God. You know what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said? And oh, please hear me today. Please hear this. Temptation does not make you angry at God. Temptation does not make you hostile toward God. Do you know what temptation does? If you entertain it, if you open the door, temptation makes you forget God. And how easy it would have been for Joseph to forget God. But he knew even in the unfairness of life, God was with him. Are you going through season of unfairness? Are you going through things that you've been dealt a bad hand and you are justifying your actions by saying it's not fair? Let me tell you, child of God, as pastorally as I can, grow up in your faith. Life's not fair, amen? But do you know what we learned from Joseph's story? Life is about chapters. And the chapter that you're in and the chapter that I'm in is not the end of the book. So don't succumb to the bait of Satan. Sin is not in the bait, it's in the bite. So not only would he not sin in the eyes of God, watch this, don't miss this. He said, I can't do this to Potiphar. You know what, one of the number one lies that Satan will tell you when he dangles an affair in front of you, you know what he'll tell you? It's nobody's business. It's no one's business. It's nobody's business. Let me tell you what I have learned in all of the counseling I've done as a pastor through knocking on two decades now. It never stays confined to just you. It's the people around you who pay the greatest price. It's your children who pay the greatest price price. And today, particularly if you're single, 
Don't you have the attitude, well, I can do whatever I want because I'm not married or what? No. Let me tell you, our culture does not preach this, but the Bible preaches it crystal clear. God will judge the sexually immoral. And that goes for if you're married or if you're single. Take that warning. Take it to heart. God will judge the sexually immoral. And do we hear that preached in today's atmosphere, in today's culture? No. But be assured it's true. And it's exactly what the Bible says, word for word. God will judge the sexually immoral. So Joseph had the wisdom to avoid her. He didn't go to lunch with her. He didn't sit and fill her need of companionship up. He didn't have long talks with her. He didn't follow her Instagram account. He didn't text her, obviously. (laughs) But you get the point, right? He avoided her. And today, hear me, if you have doors open in your life, you're going to lunch with someone that in your heart you know it's leading to some, cut it off. Cut it. You're messaging someone, you're sharing emotions, you're sharing, cut it off. And heed this warning. He refused her, he avoided her, and then lastly today, I want you to watch this. When he avoided her day after day, she planned a plot. There was one day that she most likely knew his daily routine. She knew when he would make his rounds. She knew when he would be coming into the house. And that cunning woman, you know what she did? She took all the servants that day and gave them the day off and sent them out where the house was empty. And when Joseph came into the house and began to make his rounds, the Bible says that she took hold of him and tried to force him into the bedroom. And do you know what Joseph did? He ran out of the house. She had such a grip on him that when he ran out of the house, he ran right out of his coat and left his coat in her clutch fist. Joseph and his coats. Oh, what problems they caused him. If I was Joseph, I would never buy another coat. (laughs) I would stay away from them. And the boy ran out of his coat. Do you know what the principle is? David Jeremiah said the greatest statement I've ever heard on this topic. I've never heard a statement more true and more powerful than what he said here and I want to share it with you and I you should write it down in Corinthians and Timothy the Bible tells us flee from sexual temptation flee from sexual immorality flee from this kind of temptation do you realize that in those two places it is the only scripture that tells Christians to run from anything. In everything else, we are to stand. 
We are to fight. We are to take our stance and not back down and be strong in the strength of the Lord and put on the armor of God and we are to resist and we are to fight Satan head on. But not in sexual temptation. Do you know why? Because God knows, and listen, this is true. There isn't a one of us that is strong enough to stand up against sexual temptation. You can wear the armor of God all day long, but do you know what the Bible tells you twice in the Bible? You know what it tells you? Run. Flee from it. Don't entertain it. Don't mess around with it. Don't play around with it. You know what the Bible says in, in Proverbs? You know, we use this illustration, don't play with fire, but you know that's literally a scripture in Proverbs. How can a young man take fire into his lap and not be burned? You know that's actual Bible? That's not just a good saying. That's a biblical principle. How can I hold fire and it not burn me? That's why the Bible doesn't say get spiritual against it or resist it or stand up to it or go into spiritual warfare over it. The Bible says run from it, flee, go. Because you are not strong enough to withstand it. You have to run. So what do we learn in this great story of Joseph? We learn, number one, temptation is not sin. Sin is not in the bait. Sin is in the bite. Birds can fly around your head, but don't let them build a nest. We learn, number two, uh-oh, what's my second one? Uh-oh. Oh, oh no, I'm, I mean way earlier, sorry. I had two points about temptation. It. Oh, yes, thank you. It's on success. Our greatest temptations come at the time of our greatest successes. So watch your vulnerabilities. Know what your weaknesses are. Look ahead and see ways that you are vulnerable and, and shore that up. And then what are the th those are the two principles on temptation. Temptation is not sin in itself, and temptation comes at our times of success. What are the three principles we see with Joseph? He refused her. Have conviction before crisis. He avoided her. Don't open doors. Stop the lunch meetings. Stop the communication. Stop the texting. Avoid it at all cost. And then number three, when he could no longer refuse her, when he could not any longer avoid her, he ran from her. Don't be afraid to run from sexual temptation because it's the only way you're going to win that fight. Now, where we're going to leave Joseph this week, last week, we left him in a pit. His brothers sold him into slavery. And that's where we left him last week. This week, we're going to leave Joseph in prison. You're talking about feeling like a yo-yo, up and down, up and down. Here, God brought him as a slave, ripped from his family, and then God blessed him, and God elevated him. Now everything's taken away. When Potiphar's wife accused him of rape and said, here's the evidence, he tried to rape me, here's his coat. You know, scholars say something very interesting here. 
if, if Potiphar indeed was the chief executioner, why didn't he just take Joseph's head off? Why did he not immediately kill him? Well, one, we know it's called a providence. The same providence that threw him in a pit, the same providence that brought him to Egypt, the same providence that elevated him, the same providence is about to land him in jail. But why did Potiphar not just cut his head off? Scholars think because he may not have completely believed his wife. Isn't that interesting? So now at the end of chapter 39, we're going to leave Joseph in a different kind of pit called an Egyptian prison. But it's not just any prison. Do you know what the Bible calls it? And this is the title of next week's sermon. And please, please don't miss it. The Bible calls it the king's prison. And what do you do when you're in the king's prison? Providence has brought you to the king's prison. You know, at this part of the story, and this is where we'll be next week, when you read the life of Joseph, if anywhere you go, God, cut him a break. God, reward this man. He just withstood the greatest temptation. Give him something. Reward him. And God puts him in prison. But all the purposes, all the plans of God. You and I have the benefit. Hindsight is twenty twenty. And you and I have the benefit of looking back and looking at the life of Joseph and oh, the lessons we're gonna learn out of the king's prison next Sunday. Will you be here for that? Amen. What a blessing that's going to be. But for today, what's our takeaway? Temptation is not sin, so don't yield to it. We all face temptation. We all struggle. We all fight this. But so how do you win? You refuse, you avoid, and you run. Let's bow our heads today. Perhaps you're here today and perhaps you're, you're someone that whether you're in the building or you're watching online, you have yielded to an affair or fornication. Let me tell you, my friend, there's grace in Jesus today. You may be someone that you lost your marriage or hopefully, God willing, you're restoring your marriage. God is helping you. And I have seen God restore marriage after marriage after unfaithfulness. I've seen it. I've watched it. I've counseled through it. I've been in the trenches of marriages that rebuild after adultery. And I'm telling you, it can be done. We've done it by God's grace. So if you're someone that there's an affair in your past, let, let me just be honest with you. Leave it in the past. The grace of God is for you today. And you know what the Bible says to you, my friend? husband, wife, whoever it is that committed this sin. You want the Bible test? Where sin did abound, 
grace did much more abound. If you enjoyed today's broadcast and would like to hear more great content, you can always download our free mobile app, Awaken to Grace, where you can request prayer, find sermons, articles, blogs, music, podcasts, as well as support us financially. You can also visit either of our websites at www.preachingchristchurch.com or www.awakentograce.com for more information about our church or our resource ministry. Thank you for listening to Awaken to Grace.